Hey everyone, so this is Future Me coming to just put a little warning at the beginning of these two episodes. Happy Mental Health Awareness Month for one, but two, these episodes do discuss my journey of depression and anxiety and my car accident. Not in graphic detail, but they do discuss my struggles. And if any of this could upset you, please come back after these two episodes and normal content will be resumed. But please be kind to yourself. And this is my journey with mental health. And I hope that you are kind enough to yourself. If any of these depression, anxiety, sleep problems trigger you and go into therapy then please skip this video and I will see you again soon. Bye. Hi everyone, welcome to part two of our Mental Health Awareness Month for this podcast. Um, I hope you've had a good Mental Health Awareness Month so far, I hope you've had a good May. Um, I hope if you're doing exams, you are managing and dealing with your stress and workload effectively. This is my last exam season for my degree, my undergrad, which is scary. So, second part. Where we left off was when I had started medication and we briefly touched on how medication wasn't the cure-all. And for a while, and still do for, for a large extent, I thought of medication almost like putting a warning putting a label over a rendering warning light. You're covering up the problem, but the problem still exists. And in a way that is true, but it's not the whole picture. So from May to September, I continued to kind of deteriorate a little, um, little by little by little. So not really having the, the nerve to talk about what happened to me and what I wanted to say and various other things and then college started and I really lost it (laughs) and I got my autism diagnosis about six weeks later and I remember I was sat on my bed and there was this autism report in front of me and I opened the letter private and confidential you are hereby diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder post-traumatic stress disorder PTSD I was like well no like some stuff's happened but I'm fine no so I was I was I wasn't ready to talk even then and I I couldn't I couldn't verbalize what happened to me I didn't tell people how I was feeling yeah I feel like bad (laughs) and black and white thinking I was bad 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 there was I couldn't say I felt anxious I felt depressed I felt angry I felt sad I felt annoyed confused I couldn't say these things because I didn't have the words to describe them in my vocab I just couldn't do it and it and the report and I read every page of it and I just (laughs) so around this time we'd adjusted my meds to try a different one and that really didn't suit me very well. And it was almost like not being medicated at all. And I don't think I'd realised quite how bad I was without it. 
and we changed my meds and I really wasn't coping um there's a lot in that window that I don't remember there's certain things I don't remember and there's certain things that I'd like to keep in that little box that it's been filed in a little box in a vault in my brain <laughs> and I'd like it to stay there it pops out every now and again and the code gets reset and put back so we changed my meds back to what I was originally on which was doing much more than the other one um your first med for me was the right one and that's not the case for everyone but keep trying there will be one that will help you in some way and that was in the October around October half term which is normally the middle two weeks in October and it took me from changing my meds and a lot of self-reflection to the middle of December before I was ready to say mum I'm I'm ready I need to talk now and that's what I don't think people realize is that meds on their own do kind of act like a cover of a a morning light but in conjunction with therapy or CBT or DBT or whatever you want to do to process that issue is it helps more than you'll ever know And I say all the time, I learnt more in therapy than I could have ever asked for. So I went and I was in the very fortunate position that my mum could pay to get me help while I was still on the NHS waiting list. And I met with this one counsellor who openly admitted that I wasn't the patient for her. She didn't really understand autism that well. And that is essential if you're on the spectrum. You need to find someone. And it may take a while. Who understands neurodivergence and autism and ADHD and all the rest of them. And their effect on your mental well-being. So I met with this counsellor and her... Well, psychologist, actually. And her name's Pascal. Um, and she changed my life. She really did. Um, so we met the last week before Christmas, before everything closed down for Christmas and we talked and we got to know each other a little bit. God, way up here. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> nervous now. <laughs> mummy, mummy, I want my mummy. Um, and I did. And in, Sept- in the January, we really got going. And I like to think of your mental health as kind of like a house and I was kind of at the first few layers up off foundation and they had cracks in them and I remember talking about this with Pascal it was like it's almost like when I got here I thought I was at the bottom no we had to knock those down (laughs) to rebuild a found from foundation level my beliefs about myself, about the world, about people, about emotions, and it, it, it sucked, I was like, I already felt bad, and like, I felt even worse, and we had to rebuild, I had to go back to understanding what my values were, and understand who I was, and it was like rebuilding from the foundations, you had to dig them, and I had to dig deep to find some of these things, and slowly, week by week by week, 
would rebuild up a layer or so at a time. And I'm not saying when I was discharged from therapy, I was 100%. But therapy gave me the tools to manage day-to-day life. Therapy gave me the ability to communicate my thoughts, feelings and emotions in an effective manner. Which was hard. I remember thinking, no, this therapy's doing nothing. I don't want to go anymore. But I went week in, week out. I went from where I lived to where I went to therapy is 111 miles. Uh, three hours on the train. I went. If normally my mum took me, but there were times where I took the train. And I'd be like, after therapy, it was almost like you had to pin my eyes open with needles like this because it is, although it's just talking, which is what people think it is, you it's so emotionally charged that I was I'd be exhausted you just wouldn't be able to speak to me I'd be like falls like what what sorry what were we talking about and slightly over four or five months I started to come up for air and it was like it was almost like the steam clearing off a mirror where it like slowly fades away and I'm not saying the depression isn't there and I'm not saying the anxiety was there but I could see things for what they were like I could see that my thoughts were just that they weren't always true and that my depression was my depression and my anxiety was my anxiety but it took me a while to realize that I wasn't them and there was a quote that I put up on Instagram, the, I think either this week or last week. And it was um, something on lines of, you are not your mental illness. The mental illness is the rain. You are not the rain. You just experience the rain. And it's so true. And ther- between therapy and coping skills, and I did DBT with the NHS, and I'm still on medication four years later. I learned to cope slowly and steadily, better and better and better. Now, I'm not saying I'm recovered. No. My downfall took a long time. My recovery's taken longer. And I haven't wanted to just disappear off the face of the earth in a long time. But guess what I want to say is that yeah there are mental illnesses that you can recover from for me that's not how I've my experience and god I wish it was um um it's kind of hard to verbalize this but it I I don't actively seem like I have a mental health issue 90 odd percent of the time because I can mask quite well, and that's an autistic trait. But and I do cope now. I don't have meltdowns daily. I don't have panic attacks every day, but I have a couple a week. I don't have night terrors every night, but I have a couple a week. Um, and I don't feel the need to numb myself with painkillers or drink or anything like that food is my vice though I, I do comfy I will admit that um I throw myself into my degree um which is why I've 
applied for a postgraduate and be heard so if some platforms you'll be watching this and this is a little podcast on youtube with not many episodes and on facebook as well it's mainly my my brain baby and when i'm having a bad day the good that has come from me telling my story and helping people and giving advice and gives me the drive to keep going on days when I just don't want to care so and I think there's a big misnomer that if you're having a bad day you say I'm depressed oh I've got depression I'm having a bad day I've had a bad week and I'm not saying those things don't exist but true depression and true crippling anxiety is more than just a bad day, a bad week, a bad month. It's it's month after month after month, year after year. It it doesn't just lift because you something something changes. It's hard, and I. I get offended sometimes when people say, oh, I'm having a bad week, I think I'm depressed. Because I think in a way it trivialises some of the struggles and battles that some people do have. And I'm not saying that I was nowhere near the worst person's mental health on earth, but I was bad, bad. And when I slip, it feels like I'm back at square one, even if I'm not. So, I I want to now spend a little bit of time um, talking about two main things that I learned between therapy and my whole journey to management of my PTSD and understanding my autism and understanding myself in many ways. My golden takeaway is that take each and every day as it comes and as much as I'm not cheer up and get on with it, head up, next appropriate action. And whatever that means to you. So for me, for a long time, head up and next appropriate action was getting a shower or making my bed or changing the sheets on my bed or walking my dog a short distance. It's anything that's for you. If if seriously, head up and... Getting up, walking to your bathroom, brushing your teeth and going back to bed is an achievement for you that day. Great. Good for you. Absolutely all for it. And for a while, that's what my head up and next appropriate action was. And then it was head up, go to college, stay all day. Great. Amazing. Woo! Big celebration. And that is okay celebrate the victory no matter how small it is if that is i did x full days at work this week great if it's i coped with x which i wouldn't have coped with before fabulous celebrate it till end of the day i don't care but celebrate each and every victory no matter how small it is because i really do remember and i'm trying not to cry when just getting my feet out of bed was a victory. And here I am, three and a bit years later. I have bad days, do not get me wrong, when my PTSD and my depression are like 
no, 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 you're not getting out of bed. And I fight that urge and I get out of bed and I go to uni and I go to my lectures and I come home and I work and be heard and I work on assignments and I have a relationship with my dog and I have friends and and my next appropriate action is get out of bed and get your ass out of the house. And that's the celebration. Celebrate no matter what size your victory is. Because it's what that victory means to you, not what other people think. And advocating for your needs all oh, the bane of my existence but hey ho <laughs> it kind of is um hey i was going to sing that anyway i won't copyright and all that <laughs> um advocating for your needs especially when you're ill is is hard because quite often you don't know what you want you don't know what you need <laughs> you don't know what to say <laughs> um and I know for not everyone this is the case, but if you have a family or friend that knows you well enough and you trust them, ask them to come to the doctors with you. Ask them to check in on you. Ask them. Because I guarantee you, they'll want to help you. And if they're not aware that they're struggling, they will really want to help you because they feel that they miss something. And especially if you're going to doctor's appointments and you're like me and your attention span was literally the size of my fingernail, I'd go in with a list and say, this has happened, this has happened, this has happened. And I'd often say, is this because of this illness? And really, it was all the depression and anxiety. So, yeah. Management and recovery to management is... It's not linear. And I... I in my brain, I had effort over t- time... Effort over time. And, like, this continuous trajectory of upwards. And it doesn't work that way. God, I wish it did, but it doesn't. And I implore you to be kind to yourself as hard as that is on those bad days because it will pass. Recovery, you end up at a destination that you never thought possible, but the journey's like a roller coaster. Up, downside, back on itself, upside down. But it's worth it. And if there's anything I can do in terms of signposting you to mental health resources, I will leave some tagged below. Um, as for in the UK, I don't know about other places in the globe, but if if you need me to, I will do my everything to find support for you. And check in with your friends, because if someone at my lowest had said, "How are you?" I might have been able to open up a little bit sooner than I did. So yeah, happy Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, Next time we'll be back on neurodiversity topics, I promise. But to me, these topics are very interrelated. And mental health awareness is something that is very close to my heart. So I hope you guys have a good fortnight. My name's Rebecca. I'm neurodivergent. I'm proud. And I'm even prouder that I, I can manage my depression, my anxiety, 
and my post-traumatic stress disorder.